What's up, everyone? This is Brian Ward, host of the Data Podcast, the podcast show for dads, about dads, being dads. I'm super excited that you're here and for the guests that I have on the show today. But before we get to the interview, if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you smash that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Also, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. The link is in the show notes. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. I'm really excited for my guest that I have on today. He and I have gotten a chance to connect over social media. We've gotten a pretty good friendship built, and I'm looking forward to the stuff that he's going to share with you, not only about what he's doing in his life, but also about his kids and the things that he's doing as a dad. So my good friend, Carlos Reyes, has joined me on Dad Up. Thank you very much for joining me, brother. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me and finally making this happen, man. Thanks for yeah. being flexible, uh, right? Uh, it worked out. Here we are. It's funny. You uh, you even allowed me to drop my my fifth grader off, right? It was we're supposed to be on, you know, 15 minutes ago. Uh, and then you said, hey, and I said, hey, I'm dropping off my fifth grader. And you were like, totally cool. This is what the podcast is all about, being a dad. So here we go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've we've uh, we've had a couple of uh, scheduling conflicts over the last, I would say, probably month or so uh, mm-hmm. now. But uh, I'm glad it finally worked out. I'm really, really looking forward to this conversation and uh, excited to hear not only about the things you're doing because it's stuff that I'm actually interested in, uh, and it's stuff that my wife and I have talked a lot about um, being in real estate and actually home flipping, uh, and it's something that uh, in, is kind of, I guess, inspires me, um, is something I'm really, really um, considering looking into further. Uh, I've talked about a lot about it with my wife over the years, but uh, also more importantly about your kids. You got two girls and I'm really uh, interested in hearing how you're kind of raising them and, and how things are going on that end. So before we get started and all that, let's start off with you. I want to know for my listeners who may not know who you are, I want to know a backstory of Carlos, how you kind of grew up and the things that you kind of went through and then how you transitioned to who you were to who you are today and the things you're doing today. So why don't we start off with that? Coincidentally, coincidentally, I have this picture of my mother and myself. That's very cool. Right here. I don't even know how I got here. And I was looking at it. I'm like, why is this here? Right. This is a very old picture. And um, this is myself and my mother in Mexico. Uh, That's where I was born. I was born in Mexico, um, uh, in northern part, Sonora. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of poverty, a lot of poverty in Mexico. I wasn't born into, you know, an educated family. I wasn't born into a rich family. Uh, I was born into a very, very poor family. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my mother and my, my father, um, you know, after my mother had two children, two boys, which was myself and, and my brother, um, they, they just weren't getting along. My, my, my father fell into doing some bad stuff and uh, my mother just had to get away from him. So what she did was she migrated down even, even a little more south in Mexico to my grandparents, uh, home. And, you know, my, my grandfather, I, I, I put this picture up of, of this house that we used to live in as kids, uh, a lot of times, you know, multiple times on, on social media, um, my, my grandfather, you know, the house that we lived in, he, he built that house with his bare hands, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in Mexico, when you are, uh, when you have money, you live down in the city, 
right? It's, it's kind of reverse, you know, here in America, when you have money, you live in the mountains, you know what I mean? You live up in the hills, right? In Mexico, when you don't have money, you live up in the mountains and you build whatever you can with whatever piece of land you can get. So my grandfather built this, this home uh, and we, we didn't have flooring. Uh, I want you to just kind of imagine <laughs> this area, right? That I lived in. Um, it was dirt floor, dirt floor. Um, there was no bedrooms. There was no bathrooms. Okay. Just, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of walk you through my home uh, growing up, up until, I mean, most of my childhood. So um, he built this home. The exterior was, was plywood. You know, he, he built it with his bare hands. I actually, I saw him, I saw him build two homes throughout my life, um, my childhood. So this was the first home he built. Uh, it was plywood. Uh, it was, you know, four by four, swelling up the plywood. It was laminate roofing. Um, and, you know, in, inside the main common area, he had a bed over to the side where my, my grandmother and him slept. And on the other side, we had two beds, one bed I shared with my brother. And then the other bed was for my mother. Now you go into the kitchen area and in the kitchen area, it's, it's more dirt floor. And, um, I want you to remember this. There was no electricity there. There was not just because it was our home. There was just no electricity in the area. The electricity had not made it up to right. that part of town. There was no electricity. So for light, we use petroleum lamps, right? Like literally, you, you it's like gas lamps, you know? Um, that was our, our, our lighting system at nighttime. And um, water, there was no running water. There was no sewer system up there. So we had to buy our water from a, a, a truck that would come up with a huge container and we would buy, you know, I mean, just these big blue gallons, you know, we, we, what, what we would do is we would fill these big gallons and we knew that like we calculated five of those huge, huge gallons. We're talking not, not like little one gallons, five gallons. We're talking about some pretty big, big jugs here, right? And that would last us until the next time the truck, you know, the water truck guy came out. Um, and then what he did is he built a, uh, he built a, a bathroom in the, you know, in the exterior, in the backyard, literally a hole, right? A hole and, uh, you know, just a covering. And, you know, that we had, like I said, man, there was no toilet, there was no right. shower, there was nothing like that, you know? Um, and uh, we had a washing board in the backyard. We had a washing board with my, my grandmother and my mom, you know, they were just, it, it, do you remember those old school washing boards uh -huh. that had these little kind of ripples, right? right? Right. You just wash on them. And then we would hang our, our clothes on these like lines, you know, with those little clips, those little wooden clips, we would just hang our clothes there, you know? So I say that to say this, my mom, you know, this, this woman, right. She's still alive. Praise God. Um, she wanted more for us. She wanted more for her children. She knew that, you know, there, there was no future there. There was no future there, you know? Um, so what she did was she, you know, she had a hard talk with my grandparents and she said, hey, you know, will you guys watch my children while I go away to the other side? The other side was America. Right. I'm going to go away. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to take me, but can I count on you guys, you know, to, to watch them? And as soon as I get a job over there, I'm going to send money. It's the first thing I'm going to do. And my grandparents agreed. So, you know, my mother, she left when I was in the, um, 
the, the first grade and second grade um, for two years. You know, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see my mom for two years. And it was rough because I used to keep, I used to keep, uh, you know, a picture like this right under my pillow. And, you know, I, I would cry. I would cry a lot because, you know, it's something that I never want any, any of my children to ever even question is, you know, why did my, 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 why did my father leave or why did my mother leave? For me, it was even, it was, it was harder because it was my mother, right? And right. mothers on earth is the closest thing that in my opinion, you'll get, you'll get to God's love. You know, I mean, it, it's different, you know, that as a dad, I mean, mothers just, you know, they carry the child, they, they, you know, everything, right? So they're connected, they're connected to us in a different way. So I used to sleep with her uh, picture under my pillow and just, you know, wonder, man, like, man, like, what did I do? You know, why did she leave? You know, so that that was really that really messed with me as a, as a child. And I don't think any I don't understand. Right. You can't I don't care who you are. You know, if you're five years old, six years old, I don't care if my grandmother is coming up to me saying, hey, no, no, your mom's going to come back. She's just trying to make it better for you guys. You don't understand. Yeah, that you don't child, understand. Right? right. No, there's no way. No way. No way. So anyway, um, eventually, you know, so there was um, uh, several, several houses down. There was one person, there was one person several houses down that had a telephone and that's where my mom would call Fridays at 5 p.m. at like clockwork. And that's where we would talk to, you know, on a weekly basis. And it was, it was, it was a hard talk, you know, it was like, you know, where, why, you know, where are you? When can I see you? Why, why aren't you not here? So eventually, you know, my mom saved up enough money and she got her paperwork. She got her status or legalization status here in America um, by going through uh, an amnesty program in California, right? She went through an amnesty. She was out working the fields and, and, and she was granted um, paperwork, uh, uh, legalization. She's still not a citizen to this day, by the way. She's been here mm -hmm. for a long time. She's been here 30 plus years and she's not a citizen. So anyway, she got legalization and um, what she did, man, it, you, you, you would totally, you know, it's, it's going to surprise you. She came down. And she grabbed my, she, she came down, she grabbed my, my, my brother and myself. And just like she's carrying me here, that's how she carried my brother across uh, a sewer canal in San Ysidro, California, next to Tijuana, next to TJ, right? Sorry about that. That's one of my softwares here. Give me one second, leave, done. So she carried my brother, you know, with, with her left hand, just like she's carrying me there. And she kind of just, you know, dragged me with her right. And we went through a sewer canal in San Ysidro next to TJ and uh, we made it. We, we, we got all the way through to uh, Escondido, California in, in, in San Diego County. And we only lasted a year there. Like I just, I attended the third grade there, right? We lasted a year. And by the time it was all said and done, it was just too expensive for, for us to survive in California with a single mom. And now she's trying to raise two children. We, we failed, you know, we, we failed financially by the time I remember the weekend before we were going to drive back to Mexico. Um, we were already living under a tree um, because we didn't have anywhere to go. So uh, my mom got a ride from one of her friends to, to drop us off at the border in TJ again, right? Tijuana. So, you know, our first mission failed. And all I can think about on the drive back is I'm just, man, I'm just crying my butt off, you know, on the back of that truck. Um, 
because I, you know, the, the sacrifices and the pain, right, the abandonment that we had to go through to make it over, you know, I mean, it was a huge victory when we made it over to, to, to the United States. Well, now we all of that, it seemed like all of that was for nothing, you know, all those cycles, because now we right. failed and we're going back, right? So we're going back and my mom, my mom's a strong woman. She turns around and she says, hey, son, she's like, don't, don't worry about it. We're, we're, we're going to get back here. We're going to make it back, you know, and she came up with the plan. She says, uh, I'm going to work. Um, I'm going to work. I'm going to save. And, um, and you're going to work and you're going to save. Now, keep in mind, I'm, I'm just getting out of the third grade. So um, I've also posted this little, I, I started, as soon as I got back to Mexico, you know, in the fourth grade, I start back, I started bagging groceries um, at a retail store. You know, I, I was a grocery bagger. And now I know enough English, you know, just enough to know, to, to be dangerous, you know, like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, this, this store was called La Ley. It's a, it's a, it's like a Walmart, you know, right. And it's near the resort that my mother cleans. She's cleaning rooms in this resort. Um, and then I'm bagging groceries. Well, a lot of Americans would come to the store. So I would speak a little, I was the only guy that spoke English there. So brother, when I'm telling you, I was walking away with, you know, $10 a day. And that might not seem like a lot now, but this is like the mid nineties, right? right? This is around 95, 96. And, you know, my mom's making like 20 to $30 a week, you know, mm. working 10 hours a day, cleaning hotel rooms, brother, I'm making 10 to $20 a day, you know, on tips, right? A dollar, a dollar. Think about it, right? If I get 10 Americans to give me a dollar, I just made $10 for the day. That's about half half or a little less than half of what my mom was making uh, a week right. working like 10 hours cleaning hotel rooms. You know what I mean? Right. So anyway, between her and I, we save up enough money and then we send her to Phoenix, Arizona. You know, she had some friends here and they told her it was, it was much more affordable. These people used to live in California and they're like, Hey, it's much more affordable here. Um, and, uh, and then sure thing, man, you know, we, uh, we, we gather up enough money. We send her over here on the bus here goes another year and a half without my mom, you know, mm. now, you know, I'm in the fourth grade, fifth grade, right. Sixth, uh, sixth grade. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have my mom again. Right. So anyway, uh, this time, you know, she comes back and she says, I'm not going to make the same mistakes I made last time. I'm just going to bring you, you're the oldest. I'm going to bring you over first. Right. Um, I think I'm in the seventh grade. So I'm around, I think I'm around 12 years old at this point. Watch this. This is, it, it gets, it gets, it gets even crazier. So she, uh, she pays a guy in Nogales, Sonora, $25, $25. She, she it's a human smuggler. It's a coyote, right? I, again, I don't have papers, man. I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not legal here. So she pays this guy 25 bucks and she tells the guy, you know, she tells me, Hey son, I'm going to wait for you on the other side of this fence, right? In Nogales he's going to take you to me on the other side of the fence. Listen to him, you know, listen to him. Whatever he asks you to do, just do it. So sure thing, when the guy told me to duck, I, I ducked. When he told me to run, I ran. When he told me to army crawl, I army crawl. When he told me to jump, I jumped. I jumped through this fence in Nogales, met my mom at the McDonald's, and then we, we made our way up to Phoenix, Arizona. You know, and to, to this day, um, $25, it's, it's the best investment you know right looking at it from an arbitrage standpoint it's like 
It's the best investment my mom ever made. 25 bucks to get me over to this country. So we get over and, you know, I'm at 12 years old, brother. I'm already, you know, I'm already working out in the construction sites, like just with the wheelbarrow cleaning up after people. And it's funny because, you know, I was watching these people like renovate these houses at 12 years old. And look what I do. Look, I, right, I literally write books about this now. Right. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm watching these people just renovate these homes. And I'm like, man, man, one day I would like to renovate the, these houses because I'm just a wheelbarrow guy. I'm just right. throwing all the trash. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're paying me under the table for cash. 12 years old. So I don't subconsciously that was already there. I'm like, one day I'm going to, I'm going to renovate homes. And I did that at 12. I did that at 13. And then at 14 years old, um, my mom, you know, she, I don't know how she did it, but she got me to work in the airport. Um, uh, literally as a 14 year old, you know, she told the boss that I was 18 back then they weren't really, you know, crazy on paperwork. You know what I mean? And she told the boss I was 18. So now I'm, I'm like doing, it's called back setup where I'm, um, you know, those, those air, the airplanes where you, uh, you have, you have these, these containers and they put alcohol in them, right? Mm-hmm. A little alcohol, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what I'm doing. I'm, 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 they give me a, they give me a plan. They're like, okay, the wine goes here. The vodka goes here. So at 14 years old, I'm already like, I'm already doing back setup. I'm, I'm stuffing these, these things with, so they can go to the plane and have alcohol and things like that. It was food. It was wine. It was all that 14, you know, years old, 15 years old. Um, and then at 16, I start, um, working for 10 agencies doing at the dial corporation, blah, blah, blah. By the way, I have no, no paperwork. You know, my mom did start my paperwork process in 1997 and I didn't get, um, I didn't get my uh, work permit till the early 2000s. And, uh, and then I got a resident card and then I got my citizenship in 2012. Um, so I went through that whole process, right? Praise, praise God. Um, but I, I've been working all my life, man. You know, I've been working on my life. So uh, now, you know, I, I'm, I'm still helping her. I'm the man of the house. You know, I'm, I'm helping her pay half of the rent. I mean, at, at you know, not 12, because at 12, I was just making enough for like my shoes and my clothes. But at 14, now I'm the man of the house. Now I'm making enough money to be like, all right, mom, here's for the electricity bill. Here's half of the rent. I'm, I mean, I had to grow up pretty quick. You know, I didn't have much of a childhood. I didn't have much of a, a teenage life. Um, but all that led to where I am today. And um, I did that. I, and then I finally got my paperwork, you know, a, a work permit. I can now work. I did corporate America for 10 plus years, learned a lot. That was my college. I learned everything, you know, management, team building, culture, right? KPI systems, processes, departments. I mean, I learned, I learned all of that. You know what I mean? That was my college. Right. And, um, um, one day I I just, you know, brother, I, I, I just wasn't making enough money, uh, to, I now have, you know, I now have my, my beautiful wife, that I've been with since I was 17. I have my firstborn child in 2012. And I'm like, man, you know, this isn't going to do it. Like we're all here struggling. It's, it's, it's 20, it's 2012. And, you know, we're having to buy my wife a, a 2000, you know, 2006 Nissan Rogue. You know, it's like, this isn't going to do it. You know, I, I, I got to do more. And, and I just, I, I kind of just tapped back into that immigrant mentality of like, man, I, you know, I've been, 
I was brother, I was selling bread in Mexico as a child, you know, right. like in, in, in Mexico when I was, you know, when my, the first time my mom left, I was going door to door selling bread, right. you know, and uh, I tapped back into that, you know, uh, a go-getter. And in 2013, I started looking into real estate wholesaling, you know, I read a book, it was called Flip by Nick Reese, who's actually one of my really good friends now. It's funny, like, you know, you, uh, you do well in, in any business and uh, your, your mentors become your friends. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's a, be- it's a beautiful transition. So anyway, I read this book, uh, Flip by Nick Reese. It was 10 bucks. And man, um, it said, become a real estate investor. You don't need, you don't, you don't need money. You don't need credit. And you don't need a real estate license. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm like, check, you know, check, check, check. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have any of that, right? But I've always remember when I was 12 years old, what I, I always wanted to flip houses, right? So I discovered this thing called wholesaling where you're just, you're just the bird dog. Like you, you're the deal finder, right? You're the, you're the deal sourcer where you are finding off-market discounted houses, right? And, and, and you're solving problems, okay? So whatever, whatever that book told me to read, man, I'm telling you, I wouldn't even get, I would read chapter one and chapter one would say, praise God, by the way, that, you know, I've, this happened, right? I took massive action and made a lot of rough, rough draft moves because I said, go drop a hundred bandit signs every weekend. And I'm like, I don't have money for bandit signs. So my, my wife, you know, I don't know if you, I, I've posted pictures of, literally handwritten bandit signs in the back of her 2006 Nissan road. Right. So I'm dropping hundred, 150 bandit signs every single weekend. And I finally get this phone call from a, uh, this, like a, uh, this rental landlord. She has this rental property, Hispanic lady. She doesn't want nothing to do with it anymore. She's like, I just want cash. I just want to sell it. I'm out. I don't want to deal with everything that's going on. I don't want to re-rent it. I don't want to, I don't want to upkeep it. I don't want none of that. I said, okay. So then what I did was, right, I literally, this started every, this started my entire journey to where I am today. I literally put that, that lady under contract, right, for, I think it was uh, 87, yep, 87,000. At that, I mean, look how long ago, what, it houses right. were 87,000, right, right? Right, So I put her under, I put, put her under contract for 87,000. Now, I don't have $87,000, remember, but I do, I found the deal. The house was worth about $130,000, right? Uh, $130,000, $140,000, actually. I, I found the deal. I don't have $87,000. So I put her under contract for $87,000. I take her to Starbucks with me. She signs the agreement, her and her husband. And I'm like, okay, well, what does the book tell me to do now? <laughs> All right. So the book is telling me that I have to find a cash buyer right? Closing the deal. Look, I, I wrote this book with everything you ever need. Like, okay, I got to find a cash buyer. Oh, oh, it's finding a title agency. Okay. Let me find the title agency so I can, so I can open escrow on this contract. Right. Okay, cool. All right. Boom. I opened up, um, I opened up escrow and it's telling me to find a buyer. I go on Facebook, right? Hey guys, uh, I have a off market discounted property, you know, is there any cash buy, brother? I'm going nuts. I'm I'm just like I'm going into real estate groups. I'm going into all kind of Phoenix, you know, yard sale groups. I'm just trying to sell this house because I don't have I can't close on it. 
So then I sell the property. I found a guy named Brian Ponciano and I sell the property for $92,000. What I did was it's called an assignment of interest, right? I, so here's the contract. Let me get another piece of paper. I'm actually, people can actually learn here. You know what? I'll, I'll give out my book for free at the end of this call too. Oh, that's awesome. Watch this. So then now there's another contract called an assignment right there, an assignment. So I have a contract for 87. I have an assignment and I assigned the contract for 92,000, right? Boom, 92. Brother, six months, 2,400 bandit tons later, I, I stuck it out and I stuck it out and I stuck it out and I stuck it out, right? I don't know how many weekends are in six months, but man, it was getting to the point where I was trying to pay people like, hey, if, if I give you $50, can you drive me around? Because it's easier for me to get off the passenger seat and, and put all these bandit signs down, right? So I assigned the deal and I made a check for $5,000, man, 5,000, right? I made a check for five grand and I'm like, I used to have to work an entire month, by the way. It, technically, I worked a lot harder to get this, but, right? But it was like one transaction, one deal. That $5,000 changed the, the trajectory of my life, you know, forever, forever. That was 2013, right? Look what's happened since, since this $5,000 check. You ready? 1,200 plus homes, okay, since 2013 across the entire country, right? Um, uh, started 31 companies and then consolidated them down to 16, 12. Uh, now we have 12 companies, too many open doors. Um, started teaching other people how to build and scale a real estate investment operation not just a little hustle like I was doing here. No, systems, processes, departments, personnel, right? Everything. I, I, I started teaching people how to, this is how I made a, a name for myself across the country is I taught a lot of people, all the people that you see now on social media, they came through my programs, they came through my seminars, you know? Um, here, 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 retired my, my wife in 2016, retired my mother in 2017, um, I got one, I got one of the, I, I, I would say one of the fairly biggest BPO companies, a BPO is a business processing outsourcing company. Um, it's a virtual assistant company that has over 850 plus employees, right? Throughout Mexico and Egypt. That one check started all of these companies. Mm. I'm now, I just got back from Houston. We're entering the oil and gas sector, the industry of oil and gas, right? Natural gas. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, have been the last two years, we've made multiple, you know, every single year, multiple eight figures this year, you know, our forecast is $42 million between our entire enterprise, you know, real estate, um, education, medical, um, um, uh, softwares. We have, uh, uh, different softwares. We have prospectx.com, listiva.com. I mean, we have investorautomation.com built all these softwares. Again, this, the ripple effect of this one deal, right, that came from just, I would say, ignorance or a dream or just being unrealistic, um, perseverance, you know, 
uh, everybody in my own family, you know, my own family was like, Hey man, you're crazy. I don't even know if that's legal. You know how that goes. Right. 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 So the ripple effect that came out of massive action, not having it all figured out, making rough draft moves, right. Failing forward, failing forward, failing forward. Now, you know, here we are financial freedom. You know, I don't think God willing, I don't think that uh, my family, at least for, for my generation and possibly my, you know, my, my daughter's generations, I don't think we, we ever have to worry about the, the lack of, you know, the lack of, Oh, electricity bill, mortgage, et cetera. You right. know what I mean? Right. So that that's, that's where we are today, man. And, um, you know, in 2016, I started doing some speaking in 2017, 2018, I started really taking off in 2020. I was speaking on, on the biggest stages across the country next to people like Ed Milet, um, Dean Graziosi, Gary V, Andy Frisella. Um, I mean, you name it, you know, Tim Grover, Jim Quick, right. I yeah. praise God, man. Like I've been able to speak to uh, speak in front of these, these, all of them, everybody, everybody, right? And, I, and I'm the only like Mexican-born speaker in these lineups every single time. Yeah, I'm the only Mexican-born speaker in these lineups, and to me, that's a, a it's 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 just a big blessing from God. You know what I mean? Do you think your Do you think your hustle really came from uh, uh, your grandfather originally? Because you didn't have a relationship with your dad. No, I did not. So, but, but it's funny. Great question, bro. Here we go. That's okay. Now the good questions start, right? So <laughs> watch this. Um, so my grandfather, so two, two sides, right? Two, let's go, let's talk about both grandfathers. My mother's, by the way, the, the grandparents that took care of me, those were my father's parents. Oh, okay. Right. Ironically enough, watch this from my mother's side, her father, he was an evangelist. He, he actually, you know, he spoke the word of God and he traveled from city to city and tribe to tribe, taking all his kids with him, preaching the gospel. Okay. That's a little bit of a hustle if you ask me. Yeah. Right. My, 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 my grandfather from my father's side. Yeah. That man, I mean, that man worked till he was about 90 years old. Hmm. Okay. He died when he was about 98. So I saw him hustle. I would literally just sit there, brother, as a little boy sit there on, on one of the trenches that he would, you know, that he would like, cause he, when you start building the way he would build the house, he would create this huge like trench where the foundation was going to go. And, you know, I would just sit there and watch him just with the, with the, you know, pickaxes. Right. And, and I'm just watching him, and, you know, he's drinking water and I still remember all this. And I was a little boy. So yeah, I saw him hustle hard too. Now my mother, I mean, you know, look at, look at how, look at her, you know, the way I see it, so I, I learned, I, I call it, you know, my, my five-step for uh, success formula. I learned this from my mother just watching her because as human beings, we learn the most through demonstration, not reading, not talking, not right. hearing. We learn the most through, you know, monkey see, monkey do, right? right. As like children, that's just the way we grow up. So, you know, I saw her, you know, I saw her uh, have a, a, a vision and, you know, she, she made a decision and, uh, and it was very hard for her to make this decision of I'm going to leave my kids. Right. And I'm going to go and go into the uncertainty in another country. Right. Right. So for me to see her do that and, and, and witness her, I think that left some type of imprint in me. Um, so I, I saw her make a decision. I saw her stay committed to that decision. I saw her make, you know, every sacrifice you can think of 
Um, her work ethic was undeniable, unmatched. And then her perseverance, you know, because that's what my, my five-step success formula is. Literally, decision, right? Commitment, sacrifice, work ethic, and perseverance. I saw that in my mother. That's how I learned that, that, that formula from, from her. And, and then I, you know, once I got going in 2013, I applied that same formula. I made a decision that this is not what it was going to be for me and my children and, and, my, and my family, right? And then I committed to that decision. There was a lot of things that would try to pull me away from that decision. And I made every sacrifice you can think of. I sacrificed my relationships. I sacrificed my hobbies. I sacrificed my own health. I sacrificed everything. I, honestly, bro, I was willing to die to, 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 to get it done. A lot of people won't, like, I, I, would, I would tell God, I'm like, I want a success so bad at one point that I'm like, I'm willing to, I'm willing to die for it. And that's what it takes. Because yeah. I would rather die having achieved it than live and not try. You know what right. I mean? Right. So for me, it was like, there was no in between anymore. You know, I had already made the full commitment uh, to the other side. And, um, obviously I worked my butt off, you know, uh, sacrificed everything, worked my butt off and I never gave up perseverance, never, ever gave up, man. And, you know, think about it. Six months of dropping bandit signs, 2,400 mm -hmm. bandit signs later, most people would probably give up even after a month, you know? Um, I, I just, I, I, every, every, don't get me wrong, bro. I would be out there sometimes even, even crying and, and, and praying, crying and praying and, Father, you know, this is the one, Father, this is the one. You know, every single, every single bandit time that I drop, I had so much faith into it, you know? So yeah. that's where we are, man. That's, that's where we are today. And, you know, it, it's, it's, been, it's been a great journey. And, and I hope that, you know, God continues to bless us the way he does. And we want to continue to bless, you know, bless everybody around us. You know what I mean? That's where we are today. Yeah. And you have two daughters now. Uh, how old are they? I got a 10 year old. She's a fifth grader, which is the one I just dropped off. And I got a four year old and um, she's still here at home with us. Um, and she, you know, again, monkey see monkey do. Right. So now the beautiful thing, I'll give you an example. This is, this is where we're going to make the switch from entrepreneur to dad. Right. Okay. So yesterday uh, my 10 year old and, and, and my wife, they got into a disagreement. Um, it was about her hair ponytail, whatever. <laughs> right. And, and they, they got into a real disagreement where my daughter's crying and my, my wife is frustrated. And now I'm sitting here driving my 10 year old yesterday. And she's just, she's crying to the point. And, and this, who know who, who would think, but you and I both know that as parents, our kids look at us as superheroes, right? We are, we are, we are everything. You know what I mean? Like, if you tell your kid you're ugly, you're, they're going to believe right. you. Right. And you're going to hurt them. You're going to scar them for life. Right. So that's what I'm saying. So I'm taking my 10 year old and she's just crying in the back of the car and she just, she can't even catch her breath. She's like, I can't believe that my mom, you know, like, and I'm like, all right, baby, I put the window down and say, Hey, I said, we need, we need to breathe. You know, we let's breathe, baby. Let's breathe. And then I go, Hey, listen, I said, a bad moment, baby isn't a bad day right and a bad day isn't a bad life okay then i kept telling her that a bad moment but you know i can't believe it baby a bad moment isn't a bad day and a bad day isn't a bad life. i said i promise i said i'll bet you anything 
that your day is going to end beautifully. You're going to have such a great day. No, my day is already ruined. You know what I mean? Right. So, and so we, we gather her up because I got to take her to school. Right. I don't want her to walk into her classroom crying. And then people think that we're abusive at home. Right. So, <laughs> right. So she comes back home brother yesterday and her and her mom are now, you know, my, my wife and myself, we try to play this game called Fortnite with her. It's for, it's a video game. All right. And now they're having a blast and um, I'm getting a massage. I get a massage on Tuesdays at 9 PM here. Yesterday I got it at eight. She comes up to me as I'm on the table and she kisses me. She's like, I love you, dad. Uh, you know, have a good night. And I say, Hey, I said, what did we learn today? And she says that a bad moment isn't a bad day and that a bad day isn't a bad life. You see programming, right? Right. So that's what we're doing with our children now is, you know, there's an old saying, and I say this all the time. It's I, I read it from, I think from Bruce Lee. I don't know if it's Bruce Lee or not, but he says, he says, don't give your kids all the things you didn't have. Teach them all the things you weren't taught. So I'm making it a point now to just pour into them every day. You know, all the things that I wish that, you know, my father or even my mother, my mother poured into me as much as she could, but she just wasn't she was, she was a hard worker. She's a hustler. She's a go-getter and she's very smart, but she wasn't reading, you know, think and grow rich and secrets right. of the millionaire mind and the magic of thinking big. She wasn't reading these books. You know what I mean? Most of our so, parents weren't. <laughs> yeah, they weren't, they weren't. So, so that's what, that's the beautiful thing about all this knowledge that we are acquiring through, you know, through our colleagues and books and seminars is we can, we can pour that into the next generation you know, and now start to build, right? You know, you start to build, okay, here's my generation. Well, let me start building the next generation. And I want them to start building the next generation. And then I want that generation. And that's how families like the, you know, the, the Rockefellers and the Trumps and the JP Morgan Chase and all these people, that's how, that's how these families start to build and build and build and build because they're not in it for just 80 years. Mm -hmm. They're in it for 200, 300, right. 400 years. Legacy. I mean, Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, my, my children, bro, you know, they, they're, they're, they're everything to me now. You know, they're, they're, they're everything. I, I can't be away. You know, the, one of the primary reasons why I really don't like to, to travel much anymore, uh, you know, cause you got to go speak somewhere. Guess what? There goes a day or two, you know, right. I fly in on a Thursday. I speak on Friday. I fly out Saturday morning. Right. Whatever. Um, I don't have a private jet like Ed does yet, right. you know, but it's my goal to get one 2023. That's my goal. Right. God willing. God yeah. willing. That's already in the talks. We're already, you know, talking about it. it you know, uh, it's, it's my goal to get one for multiple reasons, by the way. One is for the, the time machine that it is. It's I, I want to be able to get on the jet and fly my family to Cabo, you know, right. right? Uh, two, you know, it is a time machine and, Three, I can just, you know, I can actually, whenever I'm not using the jet, I can just charter the jet out and uh, it'll make a little bit of money, 30, $50,000 a month uh, or whatever. And, and net proceeds um, when I'm not using it. So uh, it, it's, you know, I'm going to try to probably grab one of those next year. I'll keep you posted. Right. right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying to raise the standards for, for my children. I'm trying to pour into them as, you know, as much as, as, as much as I can. You have to remember brother that I, I didn't have a father. You know, I didn't have an example. I don't, ha I don't have nothing to go off of. So one day, you know, um, I thought, because this is what I learned from my mother, and this is a very 
very important message here for the dads out there. I thought that me proving or showing them love was through, through acts of service. Like, Hey, I don't need to tell them I love them. I don't need to hug them. And, and yeah, maybe I would casually. Right. But I'm like, I'm working for them. I'm providing for them. Right. They don't need anything. I thought that was enough because my, that's what my, that's how my mom showed me love. Right. My mom was, you know, she, imagine being a mom, single mom trying to raise men. Right. She, she wasn't like, son, I love you. Come here. How was school? No, it was like, I'm working my butt off. I'm providing for you. I love you. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I thought I was going down the same road and, you know, uh, my wife, you know, had a hard talk with me and, you know, she's like, Hey, uh, she, she grew up with a good, great father. Right. And he's still around and he's still such a great guy. And, you know, uh, she says, my father worked his butt off and showed us a lot of love, a lot of love at home. So, you know, that was that. And I didn't know how to be a father. Um, and then my brother-in-law who also grew up with a good dad, he says, Hey, you know, uh, why don't you just be the father to your girls that you wish you would have had? Right. Why don't you just be the father, you know, that you wish you would have had. And then, you know, everything started to change, man. Like I started, I, I, brother, I was playing dolls yesterday. You know what I mean? Like I was playing with LOL dolls. Like literally I was playing with, I was playing dolls yesterday. I was playing with dolls before the day before I was probably playing dolls before that, you know? So, so now, you know, I try to give my, my children love and attention, you know, not just, not just security. Yeah. Now, now I try to give them love and attention as much, as much as, as much as possible, as often as possible. Yeah. Um, It's interesting that you say that because I talk a lot about it on my show about how kids really spell love and they spell love T-I-M-E. The time, the time that you're spending with your kids. Where did you learn that by the way? I learned that from actually another guest that I had on my show. Um, it was a parent. What was his name? Uh, he was a pastor. And, okay. Because uh, I, uh, I I say that all the time. It's yeah. I, I mean, I didn't I didn't coin it because I learned it from a mentor. Yeah. No, I, I learned I, it from. I learned it. I learned it from another guest, and I have to say, it's something that uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks because it's something that I've always been good at as a dad myself. I've always been conscious about the time that I spend with my kids since they were babies. But, yep. you know, I coached my kids in the sports that they played from the ages of four all the way up through high school. I mean, I was constantly around and that was my interpretation of love is the time that I'm spending with them. So when he said that to me, I went, wow, I mean, that's what I've been doing. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I've been doing. And that's what a lot of dads don't understand. They think that, hey, I have to work these 80 hour weeks so I can put food on the table and clothing on your back and a roof over your head. That's my love to you. And that's absolutely wrong because kids don't. They don't build that bond, that connection with you if you're focusing just solely on that. Yes, that's important. Yes, those things are critical. But, but it's just you, part of it. Yeah. And, and it's all about the decision you make. Hey, you don't have enough time in the day. Of course you do. You just have to find it. And you have to make adjustments. And you have to sacrifice other things. And part of that was, you know, when I was coaching, when my boys were in high school and I was coaching, uh, there were times where I'm, I work in corporate America. So there were times when... I was getting up at 4 a.m. to go into the office so I could leave by two so I could go coach their games. Mm -hmm. I made that sacrifice of my sleep 
So that way I could make sure that I was there for my kids later. So absolutely yeah. 100%. It's the time you're spending with your kids. I want to talk about this though, because you talk a lot about your mom kind of showing you how to be, I guess, a businessman, how to really thrive in business. But what did your mom teach you about parenting? Well, she always made us, she always made us her number one priority. That That's what she taught me is, you know, as a single mother by choice, she, you know, again, she left my dad uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, one of them was he was, he was, he was a little abusive and he was on alcohol and sometimes on drugs. So uh, he, he came back into my life in 2012, by the way. And, and this, you know, this is, a, I actually should mention how that went because imagine a dad not being there, then right. he comes back, you know, and um, now it's gotta be hard. Watch, I, we'll go into that. But my mom taught me, that her children were her number one priority at all times. They were sometimes she would date other men that was that were not like, hey, ah, uh, yeah, you know, you got to send them back to Mexico. She's like, what? <laughs> Bye, you know, like no, you know. So she she always put us she always put us first, even before herself. And uh, that to me is a life lesson that I will take with me forever. Right, putting my babies first, and uh, and I still do. You know, I, I still do if. You know how it is. Imagine even something as simple as this. What happens when you're eating food and your kids are around? They, they want some food. They take it. Right. right? And, and if there's a, a last a lot, a slice of whatever, you know, sometimes they're like, I want it. And you're like, well, I guess here I'm not eating. You know, like, we naturally do that as parents. Right. So that's what she taught me is, you know, my, my children are my number one priority. Um, let's talk about my father coming back into my life in 2012 when I had MJ, Michaela J, my, my, my 10 year old, um, you know, when he came back in, um, we, we try to make things work. You know, he, he drove from Mexico up to the hospital where my, my, my daughter was born and we try to make things work, you know, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, we, we really tried. And for some reason, you know, over the next 10 years, because uh, my father actually, he passed uh, a few months ago. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. Um, and, it, you know, we try to make things work, but it, it was trying to build a relationship with, with, with a stranger. It was really difficult. And, um, you know, I, I got the sense that, you know, he still needed to work through some of those old old personality traits and habits, you know, there was still some pride there. There was still a lot of guilt there. You know, there was still a lot of selfishness there, you know, and, and we try to make it work, you know, and, and, and we were cordial, you know, we were like, we, at first we really try to make it work where he was coming up here once a month, you know, visiting. And it just never felt right. Like, Sometimes that's what it is, man. You know, when you don't have a father for 20 some years and he comes back into your life and he's trying to make it work and you're trying to make it work and we're both trying to make it work, but the connection, right? Like it was just maybe, maybe, maybe we needed more time, you know, but we just could never connect to the point where, okay, I, I, I have my father, you know? So um, that's how it is, man. And, and, and you know, he, he passed uh, earlier this year from uh, COVID, right? Uh, can't, you never want to say the full word because who knows what will happen to the, 
the matrix, the algorithm or whatever, but he passed away in Mexico and um, it sucks, man. Cause I didn't, you know, I didn't even get to say goodbye to him. And, and, you know, I want you to know that, you know, I didn't keep any, hold any grudges. He's my father. I love him. You know, I love him, you know, and, uh, and I'm sure that there was a lot of, there was a lot of him and me, you know, and, and I got to see that, you know, when I started to getting, getting to know him, I started to see the good, you know, with that, oh man, I got that from my dad. Okay, cool. Right. Started to see the bad. I started to see the ugly. I, I saw it all. And, you know, we just can never really connect them and God bless them. And, um, you know, may God rest his soul. But the message is this, you know, for any father out there that has children that, you know, maybe they're not with, with their wives, you know, maybe it's a broken marriage at this point, that alone is going to be very tough on the children. You know, the, the games that the parents pay play, the kids will pay, you know, the, the games that parents play, the kids will pay. So if there's any broken marriages out there, I'm just, I'm telling the fathers this, you know, don't ever for one second make your children feel like you, you know, you, you're not there. You're not there. Let them, let them know that you are fully there for, for, for love, for direction, for support, for guidance, right? Every day, send a little text message every day, make the effort, make the effort, water, water the grass. You know what I mean? Um, I think your children, whether it's a broken marriage or not, and if it's not a broken marriage, even more so make the effort every day. Um, don't ever, don't ever allow too much time or too much distance to, to play a factor because sometimes some relationships and some wounds are just not repairable. So, you know, for all the fathers out there, don't, don't waste another, don't waste another, another day. You know, right. if, if you, you, you technology, like we have the, we have the capability now of literally, right. Literally sending a message, by the way, that's Ed. Uh, that's that. Okay. Literally something like this, right? Like the little record, you know, Hey son, I just want to let you know that I'm thinking about you. I love you. I'm here for you. Whatever it is that you need. I, I, I want to be here for you. So, you know, my, my door is completely open for you. Right. Send, you see, even something as small, what did that take you? Five seconds? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like get it done because that small little effort of, of being involved in our children's lives and letting them know that, hey, I love you, right? Especially for us to have daughters. Like, I have a daughter. You don't, you don't have daughters. I have daughters. Listen, if, my, if I don't give my daughters the time, the love, the attention, they're going to look for another man. Yeah. Yep. And, and that might not be ideal. So I just want to, you know, let all the, the dads know out there, man, like, step up, you know, step up. Let's this is what's happening in America. It's like broken, it's like broken homes create broke, broken men, you know, and broken men create more broken homes. Right. Right. It's just a vicious cycle that I'm starting right. to see. And, and it has, to, I, I think we need to step up because nine out of 10 times, man, when things don't work out in a home, it, it's us. It's the yeah. men. It's yeah. us. Yeah, we have, no. we have, we have outrageous egos and uh, you say, you say, step up. I say, I say data. So <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. no, I think you're right. And it's one thing that I, uh, you know, I preach a lot about it with, with dads that are, that are grinding. And I appreciate that they're out there grinding, hustling, trying to make a, make a living for their family. Um, but the critical time to really do that when the kids are younger 
um, is hard because you're trying to find that balance of how do I do that and how do I be a successful dad and really trying to find the time to be there for your kids when they need you most, especially when they're younger. When your kids Absolutely. are younger, they need you around. They need to see your presence. They need to see your leadership. They need to see your guidance. They need to see your love. They need to see those things when they're younger because that's when the bonds start to build. That's when the bonds start to mold together. And the stronger that bond is, the better off in life they, they'll be later in life. Because when your kids are teenagers and your daughters, <laughs> Carlos, when they're teenagers, yeah. they're not going to want to hang out with dad. They're going to no, hang out with not. their friends. Yeah. They're going to want to hang, hang, go do this. They don't want their dad hugging them, those kind of things. But if your bond is strong with them now, trust me, they come back. When they start to hit those young adult years, that they start to come back. And if that bond is strong, like it was when they were younger, that bond will still be there. And you're showing examples of that just in the fact that you didn't have your dad. So that bond was never there. So then when he did come back, there was some awkwardness and that's because that Super. bond was not there. It wasn't developed when you were younger. And so that's, that's the point of what I'm trying to say is that build that bond with your kids now when they're younger, because teenage years, those are the rough years. Those are the years they want to be independent. They're trying to find out who they are as people. They're trying to figure out who they are and who, who their friends are. They're, they're so worried about everything else around them. They don't have time for mom and dad. That's okay. Don't take offense by that. Because yeah. when they do hit those young adult years, they start to come back. My, my two awesome. boys, 23 and just about to be 21, are two of my best friends. And it's because I attribute that because of the bond that I built with them when they were younger. Wow. I was so intentional with them when they were younger that now they're two of my best friends. And they still come to me. My older son, he works, he works, he does very well for what he does. Uh, he's a college graduate, working in corporate America in sales, doing very well for himself. And he still comes to me for advice or guidance. And that's because of the bond that I built with him when he was younger. Mm -hmm. And so it's critical for dads to really understand that, hey, yes, you have to go out and provide for your family. You've got to be out there making money so that way you provide the safety net for your family, you know, food, clothing, house, all that kind of stuff. But you have to build the bond with them. And that bond will carry them for the rest of their lives. And you're a living example of that, how it didn't necessarily work out, unfortunately, didn't necessarily work out with your dad, but your mom, your mom did build that bond with you. Yes. She did build that bond with you. She may have been gone a couple of years, but she was doing it for the right reasons. And because of that, that bond was so strong and you have that relationship with her now. So remember that with your kids, because your daughters are still young. They're still in those growing years. Um, like I said, when they hit teenage years, it's going to be a completely different, different ball game for you. But the fact that you're intentional with them now, trust me, it'll carry on. And you're right. You want to make sure that your daughters understand how they should be treated by a man. Absolutely. Because if you're treating them poorly, they will look for that example when they're adults. Uh-huh. So you want to make sure your daughters understand how they should be treated by other men. So that Absolutely. way, when they do become adults, they understand, hey, this is how I was treated and this is how I expect to be treated. Absolutely. And I won't expect to be treated any other way. I, I, I open my, I open my 10 year old's door, you know, when, when I take her, I, I open her door, you know, I'm, uh, I bring them, I bring them flowers, bring them roses, you know, bring them. I mean, I, I, I try to treat and I treat their mother. Most importantly, mm-hmm. I love their mother. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that goes a long way. I'm constantly, you know, complimenting my wife, hugging my wife, kissing my wife, you know, um, treating her with love and respect, 
And, uh, and I feel like that example is going to go a long way because my 10 year old sees it. She mm -hmm. sees it. Right. Yeah. I want it to where I want it to the point to when a, a man isn't treating my daughter the right way. I want it to feel so unnatural to her where she's just like, yeah, I can't do this. Right. You know, that's, yeah. that's, I would love if that, like, cause she knows she in her heart, wait a minute, this is not how my dad treated me. Right. This is not how my dad treated my mother. Right. Nah, I don't know this. This isn't right. natural to me, you know? So that, that's your, you hit the nail on the head, brother. Yeah, I, exactly. And you're, you're, you're showing that through your daughter, through uh, what I like to refer to as more as caught than taught. So you're not teaching your daughter these things. She's seeing it. She's seeing the examples. So she's catching those examples and she's retaining them. It's, it's going to mm -hmm. carry forward. So um, well Absolutely. done, man. Well done. Uh, let me ask you this because um, I, I, running out of time here. I know you got a busy day ahead of you, but if my listeners wanted to look you up, learn a little bit more about you, best place for them to do that. And then, uh, yep. yeah. Yeah. E easiest place is uh, Instagram um, at Carlos, C-A-R-L-O-S. R-E-Y-E-S, Carlos Reyes uh, on Instagram. Um, and I'm always, I try to be very responsive, you know, and, and the DMs. Um, I, I don't think that's something that, that I'm ever going to stop. Um, I've been doing that since 2013, um, no matter who you are, right? Whether you're a blue check mark that comes in through the DMs or you're just a regular, you know, uh, up and coming person that is just looking for some advice. Um, I feel like, you know, and don't get me wrong, it might not be right away, but I will get to it and, and I will serve whoever uh, finds me on there and, you know, ever needs any, any piece of advice. So Carlos Reyes on Instagram. Yeah. And, and just so you know, the Carlos Reyes, he does have the blue check mark. So make sure you look for that as well. I was one of the few lucky ones. I heard a lot of people now they, they got to portray to be DJs and musicians to get a check mark. So right, right. I was one of the few lucky ones that actually, legitimately got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, listen, Carlos, uh, I'm, I'm certainly uh, thankful for uh, who you are, not only as a business person, but also as a dad and a husband. Thank you. Uh, the things that you're doing, um, keep it up because uh, you're doing it the right way. Uh, you're providing for your family the way you need to, but you're also intentional with your time with your kids. And uh, also, I am thankful for our friendship. I'm thankful for our continuing friendship. I'm looking forward to growing this thing, and I'm looking forward to uh, staying in contact with you, my friend. I really, Same, brother. Next time, really, really appreciate. Well. Let's go to lunch. Yeah, absolutely. Next time I'm out in Arizona, I definitely will do that. My younger son just moved there to, to college, like I was telling you before we started recording. And uh, the next time that we're out there, I'll definitely uh, hit you up. Um, I got to get your I got to get your cell phone number. So let me uh, make, yep. make sure I get that. But um, so thank you again for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, look forward to staying in touch with you. And for all my listeners out there, make sure you look up Carlos Reyes. Um, check out things that he's doing. If you're interested in any type of anything dealing with real estate, whether it's home flipping or just buying, selling, whatever it is, and you need some advice or have a question, reach out to him because he does respond. He does respond to his DMs. Oh, so, by the yeah. way, yeah, my free book. Um, yeah. So I, 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 didn't, I didn't create this book, by the way. I didn't create this book to sell the book. I created the book because a book changed my life, you know? So uh, if they go to uh, best REI book, B-E-S-T-R-E-I, book.com um they'll go to a link where they can just download the book straight to their phone for free so best reibook.com or you can buy it on amazon for like you know 20 bucks or something but don't do that right if you want a physical copy obviously go to amazon but best reibook.com uh and get my book for free and you know god willing the book can change your life the way a 10 dollar book changed my life uh you know many moons ago 
Awesome. Well, make sure you guys do that. Make sure you guys go to that website. If you want a copy of the book, um, like he said, a book changed his life. And uh, I'm certain that if you're interested in doing some, any type of thing in real estate, that pick up this book, it'll change your life. So Carlos, thank you again, brother. Uh, thank you guys all for watching this episode of Dad Up. I look forward to seeing you all on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. Make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast and YouTube channel. And please do me a favor, leave a rating and a review. Would love to hear from you and see what you think of the show. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes each week. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Data Podcast. Podcast.